0: It uh, looks like we have a squatter on the show today. Yeah,
1: look at him sitting over there.
0: Uh, well, let me
2: tell you something. I have come all the way back, seven thousand miles, just to annoy you. <laughs> Mission accomplished. It's
1: working. It is working. My 10 not, not true of me. Not true of me. Yeah. No,
2: uh, Tim. I have come to honor you and your and your your writing ability, your directing and producing ability, your musical ability. Wade, <laughs> I have come back to annoy you.
0: I so I'm so I'm, I so regret this already. Uh,
1: uh. Mark's here.
2: I'm very excited to be here, Wade and tim
1: what are you doing here
2: well wait here's the thing and what living, can we make I'm,
1: you do to go away
2: I'm, well i'll be going away very <laughs> okay. soon okay. i'm only here for a short time yeah
0: uh, you we got you for a couple of weeks so uh it's all good
2: i am uh, living in paris yeah and i get an email yeah and the email is from my old job and they say would you like to come back for 12 weeks and i thought to myself well uh money is money
0: uh-huh
2: you have to say yes, because if you say, especially in this business, because if someone offers you work and you say no, they may not ask you again yeah, that's the next to time me. it comes around. Oh, what? Mark, he said no last time. Forget him. Let's move on. Yeah. And you have to honor the fact that of the 500 producers who live 50 feet away from the studio, they called me mm. 7,000 miles away because they obviously liked me and thought of me. Yep. So I said, you know what? Let's do it. So I came back and I'm uh, working at E Entertainment Television for twelve weeks.
1: No, you you've never been a guy who burns bridges, Mark. You know. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, pretty much, pretty much everybody. Maybe maybe that Roseanne situation probably can't go back there.
2: Well. Yeah. Well, really, it was Roseanne. <laughs> and by the way, I hope everybody at this point has seen Fahrenheit eleven nine. Uh because yeah. Starring Michael Moore, and yeah. me.
0: Yeah. That, that's in fact, my next
2: documentary will be called Michael and Me, <laughs> <laughs> about God. how I tracked down Michael Moore to ask me why he didn't get a release, and <laughs> make me sign a release for my appearance we actually, in that
0: movie. We actually got a number of emails from listeners saying, hey, have you guys seen the new Michael Moore film? Because Mark is in it. So, yeah, so he, people saw it.
2: So here's, here's the situation, and then you guys can go off and do yeah. your uh, bl- bl- Blu-ray crap. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in Paris. I'm literally sitting in bed in Paris. Uh-huh. relaxing, I'm on the computer looking for jobs that are never going to happen because I don't speak French, and I get an email from a friend of mine and she says, uh, uh, not, not an email a text, from a friend of mine, she says I'm sitting in the Michael Moore movie right now you're in it and I said, "Nice." you mean like a, a B-roll shot, just some <laughs> random shot of me in a crowd she goes, no, 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 you're in it, with dialogue subtitled you're talking to Michael, you're in the movie a scene, you, Michael, talking together, movie in it. And the first thing I texted back is Do I sound like a blithering idiot or do I at least come across like a professional? And she didn't answer that part. Um, <laughs> well, so, my,
0: my, my question is Do you remember when this happened? Do you actually remember that there was a camera on you?
2: I remember nothing. So here's, okay. and it's funny because here's what happened. So about a year ago, I got an email from a woman who is a researcher for Michael. And the woman emails and says, my name is blah blah, I work for Michael Moore, we're doing a documentary, he's working on it now, and we're trying to track down the footage of when Michael and Donald Trump were on the Roseanne talk show, which I produced many years ago. Mm. Do you know where that footage is? And I said, I do not know where that footage is. Uh, I'm happy to help Michael, but I don't know where it is. And that became a phone call with with the researcher, and the producer, the researcher says to me, I, you know what, there is footage, and I have a still, and I believe the still contains two of the producers from the show. If I sent you that still, can you identify the producers, because I can then maybe follow up with them, and they may know where this footage is, of Donald and Michael at Tavern on the Green, which is where we shot those shows mm. uh, 20 years ago. So just says, send me the still. If I know who they are, I'm happy to tell you who they are. So she emails me the still, I look at the still, and I email her back, and I say, well, the man on the left is very familiar, because it's me, (laughs) and I don't know where the footage
0: is. Nice.
2: I said, the man on the right is uh, Jason Schrift, who is now executive producer of Jimmy Kimmel Live. Very successful, terrific producer, amazing career. He may know where the footage is, I have no idea, but that's who that is. And that was it. I heard nothing for a year. Until I get a text from my friend who said, I'm sitting in Fahrenheit 119. you're in it. And so, frankly, one of the reasons I came back was to see the goddamn movie. Because I had to see this movie. Nice. I had to know, do I sound like a blithering idiot? Do I come across as a professional? Am I the reason why Trump got elected? (laughs) It might come down to me, I don't know. So I had to see it at the biggest theater I could. So me and a friend went to the Arclight in Hollywood. My friend... Uh, actually whipped out his phone and took video of the scene I'm in and posted it on Facebook to all of his friends and said...
1: Which is illegal, by the way. <laughs> which is illegal, by the way. Let's well, you know go ahead and ignore well, that.
2: You know, we, you know, Wade and Tim and our, our, our friend Ray Green, we briefly entertained the idea that he should have gotten a release. Mm, yeah. Now...
0: Which I still stand by.
2: Well, here's the thing. We're in the middle of Central Park. There's no expectation of privacy. We're in a public place. There's cameras. And I just... You, I, I don't have a leg to stand on. The only thing is that if... There's if, no
0: expectation of privacy in Central Park. In the middle of Central
2: Park? It's unbelievable. That's so amazing. if my appearance had destroyed my credibility, mm-hmm. like I came across as a complete idiot, I might have rolled the dice just to regain what was left wow. of my reputation. But the fact is, I just came across as just your average stupid person for 15 seconds, and that was it, so I let it go. Well, you were
1: producing. You, you, were, you were, like, literally producing. You were if, if, doing if, what you were paid to do. Yeah. If, if someone wants to know what producing is, and you have you ever sitting around out there going, I don't know what a producer does, watch those few moments, and I would say that that's about what a producer does. Stand okay. between these kinds of people making these sorts of decisions, trying to get things to go one way or the other to, to, to make the show effective, because yes. that's what you're, you know, the show's supposed to work.
2: We had a guest who was going to walk, My job was to and not me but other people too, not just me. Mm. But my job I I just was the one in the movie, but other people too. Our job was to salvage the situation, to get Donald to not bolt, and to get Michael to go easy on him.
0: And that's my job. And I and the others
2: involved did our jobs.
0: Well the movie is tanked and no one has seen it. (laughs) Which is good because
2: then that's less people to see me flailing my arms around (laughs) like a New York idiot. Well, Donald, bling, bling, bling. My arms are going like 180 degrees back and forth.
1: (laughs) Oh, well. So that's my story. Anyway.
2: So everybody, please, buy the Blu-ray. Because I'm also doing the audio commentary for the Blu-ray. Uh, now, my audio commentary is, is only the 90 seconds of my scene. Mm. I'm, also, uh, I'm also producing a special behind-the-scenes documentary no. of my scene. <laughs> that will be, be 120 seconds. <laughs> that will be 120 seconds.
1: Longer than the actual scene. Well, exciting.
0: The only other thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contribute here has nothing to do with that, but I'm on Film Week on Friday, mm. and uh, and not that this is on Film Week. It's not just to come out to the end of the year, but I just want to say I'm not supposed to say anything about Stan and Ollie.
2: Mm. I, really, I saw it.
0: But I really liked it. Did I you like it. it?
2: You really liked it?
0: I did. I really liked
2: it. I, I just thought to myself, it was okay. Who's
1: wrong? Who's who, who's incorrect? So for the part, um, oh, they're, they're,
2: oh they're they're both terrific. They're, no,
0: they're, they're both terrific. And what's wrong? And th- th- you've got to admit, like I, like Ida, it Ida very... is Ida great. Huh? Ida is great. Oh,
2: she the the, the Russian one. Yes. Yeah, she, she's she steals the movie. But here's the thing, though, she's a little over the top.
0: Oh no 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 no. She's great. She's
2: over the top. She's so fantastic. Really, okay, did you really feel for their? For their arguments and the the fact that they were estranged and one of them felt betrayed and they're trying to get over it through this tour. Did you feel any of that or was it just a big costume party?
0: No, I did. I did actually feel that. Mm, I haven't
1: seen that one yet. Saw Bohemian Rhapsody.
2: I saw that.
0: How's that?
1: Oh, I, uh, Rami Malek is fantastic. Yeah, uh, I haven't decided about the movie yet. Uh, the although, movie's
2: not great. Yeah. he's good in
1: it, but he's just so good that it almost doesn't matter because he's just because yeah. you know he's all wrong. He's not tall enough. Yeah, uh, his body is shaped the wrong way. I mean, he's he's, he's his skin color is the right uh, color, and his and, and he has that head, and he's wearing a prosthetic. You know, whatever the, the teeth. Yeah, uh, so he has to really do it. He but he's doing what uh, Hopkins did when Hopkins played Nixon right you know yeah. it, rather than imitating he's just sort of uh, inhabiting, inhabiting. The essence, yeah uh, and but there are these moments this is big scene at the end uh, when they do the uh, you remember live aid 1985 sure, sure. Wembley stadium it was a big deal yeah. and all this kind of stuff and they reproduced this i don't know if anybody's seen it but go you can go on uh, the uh, youtube and find the one that says um, you know queen performance wembley stadium official version best version or something like that and it really is it's like high definition it's fantastic i don't know how they got the rights to post that <laughs> um, and you watch this movie and that, that that uh, you know, yeah. performance, yeah. and then you watch that. Every moment. Really? Exactly. The, there, there are these Pepsis spread out on top of the piano yeah. that, that, that uh, Freddie was playing on in yeah. a white cup, and they have them positioned exactly as they were. Crazy. There are moments when, when Freddie takes a sip, yeah. and I mean, just doesn't drink, but he takes a sip and he has his pinky out like this. yeah. yeah. He puts his fucking pinky out, dude. <laughs> I'm like,
2: you know what, Rami? Yeah.
1: Go boy. Yeah. Go boy. So
2: uh, I saw that. You saw that too? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Did you? No, when did you see it?
1: Uh, on the lot, a couple of weeks ago, they had a little party and all that crap.
2: Wait, were we at the same thing? Were, I, were Rami and the yeah, they Rami, the Rami, staff Rami and, and the, the producer
1: and the dude whatever? and uh, we were the
2: same thing. I should have. Uh, I, I, I did not.
1: There. Well, there were a thousand people there. Well, because <laughs> here's the thing, though,
2: is that I remember remember that. The guy who played Brian May, who was very good. Mm. The, the movie, here's the thing. The movie. The problem with the movie is that it's exactly the type of movie you would imagine in a film that was approved by the band. Right. Which means you're not going to really go there because the band loves the movie. Yeah. Right? But I remember Brian May, who's, the guy who played Brian May, who was very good in it. He said that that was the scene they shot first. They shot, ah, that, no they kidding. shot that concert stuff first. Mm. And, it was, and it was a big challenge for them because they hadn't really met each other and cohesed as a as a cast yet and they had all that physical stuff they had to do and know their instruments but uh, they they just they just they just buckled up and said we're doing this thing and they did it yeah. it was great lots of lots it's of a, interesting a, it's, a, it,
1: it's an entertaining movie i'll call well, it that it,
2: you know what it's it's I, I was hoping for more than an entertaining movie me too yeah. But he's very he's great in it. He's very good in it. There's no doubt about the,
0: it. Uh, and apparently, too, the the other thing that happened uh, as far as as, long as we're talking about concert scenes in *Star Is Born*, if you're wondering about how they shot those great concert scenes, do you know the story on this? They were at um, uh, what's the the thing in the desert? The the, the Coachella. 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 Uh. So got they just went to a Gaga concert at Coachella and basically po- paid everybody to stay afterwards. Paid paid everyone in the audience ten dollars to stay afterwards to be extras for the crowd shots for the stuff they were gonna shoot for stars.
1: Oh, for for all the for all the Bradley singing. Yeah. 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 Huh.
0: Which is smart. Yeah. Why? Why? yeah. why 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 create a false concert? Just where is Gaga doing a concert? All right. Hey everybody, we're gonna be shooting a thing for a movie. Stay hang around afterwards, we'll pay you 10 bucks. Hell yeah,
2: but that, you kidding know me? What? but that level of authenticity, even though you're paying people 10 bucks, that level of authenticity as opposed to CGIing a crowd, yeah, is exactly the sort of thing that I can now see Bradley Cooper doing. That whole movie Absolutely. has such an authenticity to it, right? You know, and it, and, feels,
0: and it feels like a Hal Ashby movie shot in like 1976 or something. That's
2: true, but yeah. we, we, we talked about how there's even some stuff that happens in that movie, if played by anybody else, directed by anybody else, would yep. be campy. Okay, yep. that true. scene when he when she gets the award and he stumbles drunk on stage. Yeah, I mean, come on, yeah. I mean, anybody else you'd be like, la- come on, you'd yeah. be laughing,
1: but true. somehow
2: your heart's breaking for them. It's and it true. works. I mean, all the stuff that would be melodramatic or campy done done by anybody else it works because he just he establishes that feeling of authenticity. Spot and he just true. Takes it all the way. By the way, Bradley Cooper. Fluent in French annoys the crap out I know, of it. You know mm. what? I
0: saw that too. I was watching. He did. He did a, an interview on French television. He speaks French better than I do.
1: Ah. It, I, it's it's just it's it's it can, wrong. it can be frustrating. I haven't decided about his voice in that movie. He, he's doing this. Yeah. Well, he's doing Chris he's Christopherson. He's doing Chris Christopherson. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but Chris Christopherson's <laughs> he, doing Chris I guess you over the, the voice guy. That's a, that's it, they, they, it, it's a, it's, a, del- voice it's like a deliberate thing. Yeah.
0: I still, whenever I watch a Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy movie, I still cannot picture him doing the Rocket Raccoon voice. Yeah. I just can't. I can't put those two things together in my head. Yeah, It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, anyway.
1: Talented. All, All right. right.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to hit some DVDs. Mark, chime in if there's anything you want to say at some point, even if it's not about DVDs or Blu-rays. Just if you want to chime in and talk about lunch. Whatever
2: Oh wait a second There was some cake oh, here we go. In the <laughs> it's kitchen a, it's
1: in there. Can I have some of that cake you kill, kill the cake dude There's ice cream In the refrigerator I even kill the
2: cake this, and, There's like three quarters Of it still in, there And even
1: chocolate well, you, milk you, You're on the, the, the wireless mic I am on so. the
2: wireless mic So I could go get cake Thir- go Wait six. would you like A piece you, of cake you,
1: you, you can take the mic With you and talk about the cake Wait <laughs> I will get you A
2: piece of cake If you'd like one
1: Uh, I don't even What kind of cake is it Chocolate 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 It's like <laughs> a bun cake Bunt cake Chocolate, will cake. cake.
2: chocolate Tim would you like A piece of chocolate No. No The missing cake
1: Guess where the missing cake went So yeah. Wade, right.
2: Would you like uh, ice cream with a chocolate cake? Uh vanilla,
1: No, fr- no I'll just, I'll just, I'll just okay. take the uh, yeah.
2: Yep. Now, can I talk while I'm getting the cake? Sure, you can. <laughs> Even though I can't see what you're doing, that's okay, or hear what you're doing, yeah, that's Nor fine. care what you're doing. We just, may just kill leave. your
1: mic, but you know,
2: uh, so i going to start in the on the
1: microwave. It's much better. Fifteen seconds. Really? Yeah. Gonna hit a Tell gonna me? hit a
0: few uh, PBS docs here. Yeah. Uh, PBS tiles. First is a Ken Burns presents, not a Ken Burns doc, but a Ken Burns presents on the Mayo Clinic. Uh, if you know, I know that sounds really dull and boring, boring and dry. Oh, PBS and uh, Mayo Clinic, but you need to know about this. The Mayo Clinic started in 1883, and as uh, a very small kind of Catholic operation, and has grown to be the one of the most essential medical operations in the world. And what they do at the Mayo Clinic is astonishing. They are they are on the the cutting edge of so much stuff, and uh, it's it, we, we that, it's unbelievable what we would not have in the world of medicine if not for the Mayo Clinic. Really interesting. So much more interesting than you would, you would actually expect. Um, the Fred Rogers documentary is almost certainly going to win the Oscar, uh, unless uh, you know some of the other things that I've seen recently do it, like, for example, um, On Her Shoulders is a doc that I'm talking about on Film Week on Friday, which is all about Nadia, the Nobel uh, Peace Prize winning um Iraqi, who uh, who has become kind of the uh, the voice of uh, of refugees, uh, that may really give it a run for its money. But anyway, uh, Mr. Rogers, it's like you, uh, it's you I like. Is not that documentary, but it is a PBS kind of a complimentary uh, look at uh, at Fred Rogers that that should be viewed along with it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here that's not in the other one, and uh, if you really kind of want to get your Fred Rogers on, and you should. This cake is good. Oh, there we go. Just <laughs> ruins the
1: moment. He's in the he's in the kitchen. Ruins the moment. It's weird. Uh, so anyway, Mr.
0: Rogers, it's you I like from PBS is uh, is really wonderful. Uh, it it complements the, uh, the the other doc. Uh, uh, Basquiat: oh. Rage to Riches Ooh. from American Masters. So beautiful
1: so so just you know there are three or four uh, films about him and it's yeah. interesting that each one of them um, uh, insinuates new material into yeah. into into, the, into the, the, the the basket of knowledge about him radiant child is another one yeah. and that one is that one is so good It's really really good and uh, you know it's amazing for someone
0: who died so young uh, how much there is to say mm-hmm. you know how much life he lived compressed into just a few mm-hmm. incredible years. Uh, really, 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 very moving and fascinating, and, uh, and, and 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 you know, it goes along with all of these other docs about that moment in that movement. Everyone who kind of orbited Andy Warhol at that point in time. Yeah. Oh, there we
1: go. But particularly the period in nineteen. My my dad. My dad uh, uh, took me to uh, took me to uh, New York in nineteen seventy eight. Um, uh, kind of ridiculously inappropriate. Pick me up one day in high school. This is my dad. I think I'm, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm, uh, I'm I think I'm 16 years old. Dad comes by. Come on, boy. This This is my dad. Come on, boy. Jumped in the car with my dad. Next thing I know is 36 hours later, we're in Manhattan. <laughs> and I'm like, Mom is going to kill you, dude. You can't do stuff like this. Do you want to go or don't you? I was, I was, my dad, Basquiat was putting all of those little stickers all right. over town. And my dad right. was like, that's this kid. That's this, that's this little because he knew all these people, yeah. you know. And like, I'm like, dude, this is amazing. My dad, my dad got me a gig, our, our band, a gig at CBGB's. Oh, no kidding. We played at CBGB's, which was insane. That's you know? great. Uh my dad took me to Studio 54, which is like incredible inappropriate. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. He did all this kind of stuff for me. But yeah, he introduced me to Basquiat. And this is like 1978. And this was yeah. all just happening right then, that little band that he was in. And yeah. all of that stuff is in that movie. It's just so it's, amazing.
0: And I, again, like Keith Haring is another one from Keith that moment, Herring, right? Yeah. All, and all these guys died young. And it's, it's, it's all so interesting to me. And especially here in L.A., if you go down to the... Um, uh, MoCA? To, well, to Mocha and then also to the Broad. The Broad, yeah. They there's a lot of uh, they have a lot of you know there's Basquiat and there's Herring and they have all those guys there in it's kind of in the Warhol, yeah. you know ex, uh, wing. But it's just it's a uh, it's a it's just an amazing moment in time. Anyway, uh, this enough uh,
1: to have made at least three uh, uh, films about him and yeah. his work.
0: Yeah, Basquiat: Rage to Riches, the American Masters and BBC co-production is really really great. Uh-uh. Dark Money uh, is a doc I talked about on Film Week some weeks ago, and it's really good. Uh, with a caveat, now Dark Money is all about you know the um, the dark money in politics, mm. the the money that you you can't trace, and the money that uh, it kind of floats through the cracks and and slips past all Pe- the people for the choice
1: and... of having a choice when you don't have a choice. Yeah, there you go.
0: Uh, the it's a good doc, however. It, it kind of doesn't go deep enough, and it doesn't really answer some of the nagging questions, which is, um, like, they, they scratch the surface on the subject of money that just gets spent, and nobody actually knows where, it's com- where it comes from. Like, there's a billboard, and it just says a thing. And if you go to the billboard company and go, who put that billboard up? I don't know, a guy came in with a suitcase full of cash, and mm. we, no- we got a phone number, we got nothing. You know, you, you don't mm. know. Mm. Uh, or, or whisper campaigns and things. You know, there's a lot of stuff that it sort of doesn't address and doesn't get to the root of. But what it does touch on is very, very interesting. So it's a it's sort of a beginning but not an end.
1: You know, it's interesting as uh, we point ourselves as, at the election in uh what, 19 days, 15 days, I don't No, something we, like that. So yeah. November the 6th, whatever yeah. the hell that is. So yeah, watch that and then think about who you're gonna vote for.
0: Well, this is going crazy. Bye. <laughs> right. uh, anyway. Uh, yes. And then the uh, last one here, as I eat cake. Hmm, my goodness. Is a uh BBC production for PBS, the amazing human body, uh, which again sounds like a really boring thing, but it's not because it's done by the BBC. When, when the BBC does ordinary stuff, they make it extraordinary. Uh, so anyway, this is um, this is I guess this is this is anatomy and physiology for people that never took anatomy and physiology. Anyway, it really is very interesting. Lots of really high cutting edge special effects and digital uh, uh, digital effects here that um, basically explain everything you need to know about how your body works and what you should be eating and how you should be exercising and, and all this kind of stuff. It's very, very interesting. And uh, it's 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 an education. The I should have watched
1: u- that. I should have watched that one. <laughs> the
0: amazing human body. Explore the everyday miracles that keep you alive.
1: Because my body doesn't feel amazing at yeah, all. Yeah, you get to a certain age. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the irritating human body. When you pass 45... <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 uh, oh my god, depressing human body. Yeah. I can allow so many, so many things I could say.
2: Yeah, but Tim's doing chin ups.
1: Yeah, 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 it's because my the rest of my body's falling apart. My arms still work. That's all I got.
0: All righty. Let's talk about some, uh, oh, you know what? Hold on. Are we on a new movie? Uh, yeah, let's do new <laughs> movies, but let me just, uh, hit a couple other things here, real quickly, uh, as long as I'm just on the, we're gonna do, come back to docs later, but, um, Want to also make mention of the uh, Smithsonian Channel. This just fits in with PBS stuff. Smithsonian Channel, uh, the Real Story, which of course takes you know uh, topics of movies and then explores the real R E A L story behind the real story R E E L. Uh, this is the Da Vinci Code. Keep in mind, nothing in the Da Vinci Code is in any way historical or accurate. <laughs> but uh, this uses the the title to sort of say, well, let's at least go and look into Da Vinci and if he really did leave clues in his paintings or if not, and uh, you know, did did is there a chance that Jesus might have had children? And all of the questions that the movie raises, they explore the reality behind them, which is considerably far less sensational than, mm. than the book or the movie pretend. But um, it's still interesting, and you get a list to a lot of really interesting professors and experts and scholars go into some really fascinating tangents. So the real story, R-E-A-L, The Da Vinci Code from Smithsonian Channel.
1: Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. All right, new movies.
1: A little bit of new movies. Blu-ray and digital right here. We have ourselves a film called I Am Vengeance. This is a little British film that is just so ridiculously – this is a film – But for the fact that it wasn't made in 1985, you know, might have been a cool movie in 1985. Guy comes home, his best friend's been killed by some people, comes home from the war. Uh, Best friend's been killed by some people. He's going to go and find out what happened to his best friend. So he just starts chopping and socking and punching and kicking and killing his way through, you know, all the little local, little local uh, British village gangsters. You know, that's, that's maybe an interesting thing about it. It's not a city movie. It's a little local village. So, but instead of being like, I don't know, straw dogs. Yeah. Uh, uh, Get Carter, you know, the good one with yeah. uh, uh, Michael, uh, Michael, Michael uh, sure. Kane. Michael Kane, yeah, that yeah. one you know, should be yeah. there. We should be there with this movie, only present day. But no, it's just this guy with this snarl on his face making speeches before he can engage us in these fairly clumsy, sort of uh, unrealistic fight scenes. And, you know, I don't know. It, 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 there's, there's a spot for these still. John Wick. There you go. Yeah,
2: love you John Wick. You know,
1: but how do you how do you blow this though? This is not that hard, man. <laughs> Taken. You know?
2: Yeah. A lot of those like vengeance movies. Yeah, it's just not that hard, but they really really yeah, kind but of the it. They screwed up Death Wish.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Bruce Willis Death Wish. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. And one of the things one of the things they blow they they, they, they hired this guy's name Stu Bennett. Stu was uh, one of those uh, kind of you. I don't know if it's actually UFC, but you know one of the, one of those fighting organizations. He's one of those guys. Got the body, can throw the punches, all that. Can not act. Can't act. So yeah. you know, not gonna work.
2: An interesting take on that story is Harry Brown. Remember Harry oh, Brown? Oh yes, yeah. yes. it's like it's it's like the uh, the vengeance story from the pensioner. I I love <laughs> Harry Brown.
0: You know what? Harry Brown is really, really because Harry Brown takes something that should be a totally predictable, just conventional revenge story, but it makes it deeper because it just steps away. It doesn't try to give you too much. Harry is a is an old pensioner and he lives in that area Right, and 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 Michael Caine just gets to work. So, it was such wonders with that, and it's so beautifully shot, and it's so sensitively directed. I love that movie.
1: Kind of, kind of, kind of moving. Yeah. Kind of moving. Got one?
0: Yeah, Mama Mia. Here we go again. Uh, look, <laughs> so I'm sorry, Mark. Did you see this by the, by chance?
2: Uh, I saw it. The the first one was was plenty. Yeah. Think. You know, I had
0: so no fill. okay, so here's the deal. The first Mama Mia, which I don't remember if I saw with you guys, but my reaction to the first Mama Mia was that for about fifteen twenty minutes. I was staring at the screen with my jaw in my lap. I just could not believe that they were doing this, that Pierce Brosnan was letting it all hang out like that, that these people were just basically humiliating themselves before the world. And I love ABBA, I do, I love ABBA, but I just I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I was watching what I was watching. And then, you know what, Stockholm Syndrome set in, and I just kind of gave in to it, and I wound up having a really good time. Mm-hmm. And not liking myself for it very much, I'm, I'm still quite humiliated that I allowed myself to do that, but I just kind of went with it, and I, you know, I had a good time. Um, this is kind of more of the same. I don't know why we needed this movie. We uh, didn't. Except for the fact that there were a whole lot of ABBA songs that they couldn't shoehorn into the first well, one. So. They're
1: B-sides for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
0: So anyway, um, and yeah, it's, you know... Not really. There's sort of no point to this. It, it goes back in time and it doesn't really make sense because they're, they're – they're, they're like, the t- like time overlaps in this thing in a way that doesn't really work.
1: Yeah. It's a cheaty movie. For one thing, okay, I let everything happen in Mamma Mia slide. Yeah. I let the fact that Pierce can't Lily dance James, or sing. Lily James. Lily is she's lovely. Is, is, is lovely. Well, yes. in, in, the, in the movie, I let the yeah. fact that Pierce cannot dance or sing. That Most of those people couldn't dance or yeah. sing. I let all of that slide. Miro can sing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, okay, now. But she's you, hardly in this. She's Marilyn, hardly in this. Yeah. You knew you were making Mamma Mia 2. All right? Yeah. Let's take some dance lessons. Yeah. Let, let's, get a sing, let's, let's get a singing coach in here. Yeah. Six months ago. Let's get You know, you. let's fix that problem from the first movie. But no, no, no. Pierce is still clod hopping around this movie like yeah. he did in the first movie, and he doesn't find a note ever.
0: But boy, let me tell you, Cher
1: yeah. embarrasses the hell yeah. out of herself. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, this is the sing-along edition in 4K, ultra HD, so it's really, really uh, lossless, so the audio... You can hear every broken note and bad note that yeah. everyone sings perfectly, perfect pitch. Uh, and the sing-along version, that's so that you can embarrass yourself at the same time. So sing along. have it, Invite friends. It'll be great. Uh, there's there's extras on here. It's mostly uh, EPK stuff. There's, you know, uh, just interviews and featurettes and, and not much that's really all that interesting. There's a Today Show interview with Cher and Judy Kramer. That is not that great, but um, you know what? Look, if you like the first one, I guess you'll probably tolerate this one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was good. The Spy Who Dumped Me. I really enjoyed that was this good, movie. Wasn't it? You know, uh, the the the, the good you know, double m-
0: feature with the uh, Melissa McCarthy. Spy. The, the
1: the spy movie, right? Yeah. Uh, Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. They're just so good in this movie. Um, uh, so you got these two girls, regular girls, uh, you know, to, uh, living lives that are not particularly interesting and exciting. Uh, Mila Kunis has an ex boyfriend played by Justin. Uh, Justin shows up at her apartment. All kinds of crazy stuff goes down, uh, and uh, she finds out he's a spy. Uh, there are some people trying to kill him. It's a thing that has to happen. It doesn't really matter about any of this crap. It's all, all, all pointless. And it's just to the set up. These two girls getting, ready to, getting to go play spy. And what turns out is that not only are they kind of good at this, They're kind of really good at this. you know. they got to build their confidence a little bit. Uh, And uh, Kate McKinnon is so great in this because she is just balls out in this movie. She's like, what the hell? Of course we're going to do this. (laughs) Why would we not go do this? And little by little, they get better and better. And before you know it, they're walking around in those hills in those little short cocktail dresses. And they've got those guns, and they're killing spies left and right. Uh, And what I like is the boys in this movie, because there are lots of handsome men with great jawbones in this movie, they let the girls have it. They get themselves smacked around and killed around. They play the butt of all the jokes, you know, and they let the girls have it. Way to go, boys. Let the girls do it, and they are fantastic in this movie. Fun. Full of all kinds of crap, by the way. Uh, The making of it, you name it, it's on on this DVD.
0: And that is 4K? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Good Favor is an interesting film that was in Toronto. It uh, is not on Blu-ray, it's only on DVD. This is from Rebecca Daly, who is a very, very promising director. Uh, this is a really interesting film. It takes place in this Eastern European uh, religious community. and there's a there's a stranger who enters the community and uh, and uh, uh, has to be sort of absorbed into their rituals. and but the question is, where does this guy come from, and what's his background? how's it going to affect everybody? It's one of those, you know, kind of um, more' it's, it's, it's like a there's a, there's a certain indie genre that's a little bit like a fish out of water movie. But it's not really fish out of water. It's the mysterious intruder, right? It's a, mm. you know the alien, the the, 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 the outsider who's penetrating the, the womb of this community. And those things happen every once in a while. They're usually horror films, but every once in a while, they are really, really interesting kind of um, psychological... Dramas, and this one is in particular. It's called Good Favor, F A V O U R, the English spelling, by Rebecca Daly. Look out for her; she is really, really interesting.
1: There, this, this, this movie. I'm so disappointed in this movie. It's called Snake Out of Compton,
0: <laughs> and,
1: and and the logo is set up, you know, just right, like like right, straight right. out of Compton. The whole thing, you know, you guys set yeah. down in the hood. And you got this little hip hop group, and they're roaming around. They're about to sign, about to do their deal. It's kind of you know sort of Fridays-esque or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly there's a giant snake. In Compton, uh, from the plane. Right? Yeah, on a plane. But apparently yeah. one snake all, ate all the other snakes and yeah. just became one big ass snake. And you know, I just wish I just wish this was funny. It's not. It's oh. just bad and terrible and not funny. Uh, it, it comes for some reason with a uh, director's commentary because you know what? There was there's no reason for you to really talk about this. You know
2: what? It, it seems almost Corman esque in the way that you, you you hear the title and you see the cover arts. And you're in. Yeah. It doesn't even matter what the movie is. You're intrigued and you might rent it on
1: that thing. Nah, just, you know, if it had been, if it had been just as dumb but only funny, ah, what are you going to do?
0: So, uh, it was about a year ago that we interviewed Larry Cohen on this show. Uh, Larry Cohen, legendary exploitation filmmaker, guy who did everything from, you know, Q, the Winged Serpent, to Black Caesar, to on and on and on and on. Phone Booth, wrote Phone Booth, Mm -hmm. which Joel Schumacher directed, which he'd originally written for Hitchcock. I mean, Larry Cohen is a legend.
1: Larry Cohen created... At the at the, uh, the inception of uh, broadcast television? Yeah. A half a dozen oh, yeah. original television programs yeah. before he got out of the 60s. Yep. Uh, so, you know, that was Larry Cohen. Before he ever directed a feature film, he had yep. like nine television series under his belt.
0: Yeah, no, Larry Cohen is the man. And uh, the, the documentary that we interviewed him for at the time was making the festival rounds called King Cohen. And it is now out on Blu-ray. And uh, what a terrific doc it is. Uh, it really is. You, if you're if you a fan of exploitation films, of everything that he did to sort of revolutionari- revolutionize the movies, you've got to see this. Uh, tons of special features on here. Uh, and, uh, you know, other people, uh, interviews that they didn't use in the thing and uh, raw footage uh, raw interview footage that it's just it's all it just goes on and on and on. I mean there's hours of stuff here and it is it is really great. I wish the the doc were a little longer. It's about an hour long. But it's uh it's long enough to make its point and everybody is interviewed here. I mean you name it. Everyone who is anyone who is still alive who has worked with him, <laughs> they are on here from you know recent people like Tara Reid, Eric Roberts uh. to Martin Scorsese, Fred Williamson, JJ Abrams, uh Yafit Kodo. FX Feeney, our mm, colleague, mm. our good friend FX Feeney shows up on here, Joe Dante, uh, Robert Forster, on and on and on, Eric Bogosian, you name it, It just, it, it, Tracy Lords, it's just fantastic. It's just all these people want to talk about Larry Cohen because mm. they've all worked with him. And it's great. Scorsese's uh, stuff is really, really terrific. It's, it's particularly good. Uh, and then we also have a movie that I am really, really fond of, and you have to see this on Blu-ray if you're going to see it at all. Uh, it's just absolutely wonderful. It's called uh, Mountain, and it's narrated by Willem Dafoe, and it is—it's not so much a documentary as it is a visual essay. Mark, did you
2: see this? I did not.
0: Oh, well, that's too bad. I saw as that it, one. You would enjoy this. Yeah, um, it's—it's just—it's—it's uh, it's the the poetry of mountains, and it's some of the most beautiful photography you have ever seen. It's—it's it's like the history of human beings and mountains, with just this gorgeous narration. Uh, presumably taken from the book that this is this is based on, and um, you ha- you just see you see archival footage of mountaineering and archival footage of of, uh, of mountain climbers and mountain explorers all the way to extreme sports and extreme mountain climbing stuff nowadays, and it's all unbelievably beautifully photographed and it's so well curated. And Willem Dafoe does the voiceover narration, and it is just a, it's a it's a wonderful journey. Uh, The role of mountains in our lives and in our civilization, both symbolically and and literally, it's really fantastic. Uh, It is called Mountain, A Breathtaking Voyage into the Extreme. I I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's absolutely great. And it even has a few special features on the making of Mountain. So they show you how they got all that great footage. And uh, there's a conversation with the uh, director, uh, Jennifer Petum. Uh, who's also really good. We're going to be hearing a lot from her. And uh, Q&A with writer Robert McFarland and mountaineer Matthew uh, Dumagard Thornton. So Blu-ray of Mountain, Willem Defoe narrator.
1: Um of the source. a uh, Chuck Workman film. This is uh this basically is a film about the uh, the beat poets from back in the day. Nice. Y- 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 you're into beat poetry, you're not into beat poetry. You happen to be in the guys Kerouac and Ginsburg and, and all that guy all those people. You had you got Johnny Depp reading Kerouac, uh Turturro reading Ginsburg, Dennis Hopper reading Burroughs, Dennis Hopper reading William Burroughs. There's something so correct about that, it's almost you know, you could, you could almost swap those I, two guys I, absolutely. out. Absolutely, that's just that's just wonderful, and it's beautifully done uh, in a Chuck Workman-like way. He's a hell of an editor. He's primarily an editor, Chuck, yeah. uh, which is why this film works uh, so well. Yeah, uh, but you got you just got to kind of be into it a little bit. So, um, but it's neat. I like it a lot. Not a lot on here, though. That's um, you know, I wish there I wish there were more. Kino Loach
0: uh that summer is a is a an interesting doc but it's more interesting if you're a Grey Gardens fan so yeah mm, uh. uh this is the deal with 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 this if you're before there was Grey Gardens there was a dry run on telling that story about these wacky Kennedy cousins and uh the the Maysles were not the first ones to go and explore you know Edith and Edie to to kind of get inside their bizarre world yeah um there was uh, Peter Beard, who is a, a very famous uh, uh, photographer. Peter Beard was actually the uh, the first person to go there in 1972, and um, and and sort of take a look at them. And now all of this footage that he shot at the time uh, has been put together by Goran Olson, who's a documentarian. And uh, this is kind of a precursor to Grey Gardens. This is uh, this is like what the dry run was, and uh, and and it's. it's it's interesting primarily if you've seen Grey Gardens and you know where Grey Gardens uh, picks up and what it deals with, this is like the prequel to it, and uh, and it has certain contextual value in that sense. Apart from that, I don't know how interesting it necessarily is because you don't have the context. So uh, I almost feel like as interesting as this is, it should be an extra on Grey Gardens and not its own independent movie. But there it is. Mm. Uh,
1: it's called That Summer. Uh, Whitney on Blu-ray and digital. Uh, this so movie, sad. this is this 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 is uh... you know I mean we see these movies right. Uh, the heart. one about Amy uh, yeah. and, uh, Winehouse and yeah. there have been a half a dozen dozen of these films. This one is really amazing in that um, it's directed by Kevin mcdonald not exactly his Bailey Wick per se. Yeah, you I know.
2: I saw this in uh, at the deauville Film Festival. Uh, well, this, this
1: was at Yes. Oh, it's it, it revealing. Very good. Deeply Very revealing good. Uh, so about upsetting. Whitney. Yeah, you know in the black community in particular, we've always had these sort of things that we thought, that we felt that we knew about Whitney, that were like our, our things that we knew about Whitney, yeah. uh, and we've always made uh, these associations, you know, Whitney and Bobby, yeah. and, and we were always like, well, you know, Bobby, is Bobby, Bobby did it to Whitney, you know, Bobby, she, she got with the Bobby, Bobby's from the ghetto, and he ghettoed her up, and now she's dead, look what Bobby did, that's, yeah. and that's not what happened, no. uh, now, Whitney was from a, Whitney was from a tough place from day one, Yeah, uh, and, uh, and she was a little ghetto girl from day one, she was hard, and she was pretending not to be hard. Yeah. And there's a moment when the black community turned against her and it baffled her because she's thinking to myself, I'm the blackest girl I know. And the black community turned against me and she got mean and mad about it. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, a lot of people failed her. Her dad failed her. Dude, I hate it when the dads failed. Yeah. Her dad sued her for $100 million. How do you, even if you think your daughter owes you $100 million, how do you sue him for it? Yeah. You know. It, it, by the way, your daughter doesn't owe you a hundred million dollars, you asshole. Yeah. Uh And and you know and even Bobby ultimately you know d- didn't you know he didn't yeah. he he just didn't have the backbone to handle the fact that she became a much 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 bigger star than him. Yeah. You know and wanted her to go around being called Mrs. Bobby Brown. That's retarded. People failed her. Yeah. People the failed. People, you know.
0: The people and, who, who she needed most. Failed yeah. Her.
1: You know and uh, and and at the end of the day, uh, she was she was just this girl and then we know what happens with Bobby yeah. Christina and all of that. Oh my gosh, it's just so. Whitney Houston was a gigantic icon.
0: Yeah.
1: That, when she sung that anthem, you can still watch that and it'll, it'll uh, chill to yeah. the back of your neck. Yeah, anyway, wonderful doc.
2: It is. Uh, th- and that was a major part of the doc, the whole uh, the, the behind the scenes of the making of that national anthem and how she decided to sing it in a very interesting way that scared some people, but she's Whitney. She can do it. She comes out, she sings it in that unique way that only she could. Mm-hmm. And it winds up being this iconic moment. And the thing that, to what you say, uh, to what you were talking about is that she was really doomed from the start. Her family introducing her to drugs very early. Yeah,
1: her big brothers, and they and they're in the film, and they say so. You know, it's not calling anybody out. Uh, her big brother says they Whitney missed- was rolling around with me when she was 13 years old, and I was doing hardcore drugs, and she did too.
2: That's right. Yeah. So that that was, to me that was the revelation, as you as you alluded to, which is it's not that Bobby Brown came in there and corrupted her. Is that Bobby Brown came in there and just completed the journey? Mm. In a way, the journey that had started when she was a kid, and her family was the one who was corrupting her. Yeah, and
1: then of course there's a big reveal, which I don't—I uh, guess we'll save for people to watch the movie. Um, you know about what happened to Whitney. That's right. Yep. Yeah.
2: So very good, very very well worthwhile. Uh, and there's also Generation
0: Wealth from uh, Lauren Greenfield. Lauren Greenfield was uh, was one of the filmmakers of The Queen of Versailles, which is uh, a, in its own right a fascinating a uh, fascinating documentary. And uh, kind of picks up on many of those same themes in Generation Wealth, which is uh, ostentatious living and uh, the way in which consumer society and consumer spending and materialism has taken uh, – has gone up a notch in in the social media era, in the Internet era, and what it means and the way that narcissism in particular has become a thing and uh, kind of an inescapable part of everyone's life now that you can broadcast yourself and you can you can make yourself a commodity. Anyway, it's a really, really upsetting movie.
1: There's, um, a, there's a thing she does in that movie that bugs me, though. I don't know Did you notice this?
0: Y- y- well, w- w- specifically...
1: Well, she she, she starts talking focuses on a lot about how uh, these people make their money. So like some yes. people who are willing to do this and willing to do that. Now, she, but she doesn't look at, I don't know, uh, you know Paul Allen who recently died. Right. Uh, or, or, uh, or any number of, of folks who make yep. a lot of money and they have the exact same avarice, but they happen to do it with something that requires an MBA. Yeah. Or, uh, or a degree in computer science. Right. She, doesn't, she doesn't point the same sort of accusing finger at them that no. she does at, say, some strippers – True. And then there's some strippers in that movie, yeah. and 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 I'm like, wait a minute, why are we hating on these strippers now? What, yeah. what, what's 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 up with that? It does. When we're not going to be hating on homie over here, Justin Skillick, who who started, uh, who was selling the pharmaceuticals, yeah. for like you know marking things that cost a penny up to a thousand bucks, she doesn't point a finger at him.
0: It is selective. Yeah, it is very selective, and it's a it is occasionally judgmental. And I think uh, perhaps the reason that didn't bother me quite so much. Is because she the broader strokes, mm. the sort of the bigger picture, the bigger statement that she's she's calling out, I think is an important one to think about. I don't know that she supports it mm. quite as as well as she should. As you know, like like you say, she is selective and she's a little bit judgmental about certain people as opposed to others. But it still made me ask the question. Mm. And I'm still asking the question, and I think we may very rightly draw different conclusions, but it's still a question I think everybody should be asking. Yeah, it's so, an interesting thing. Uh, Generation Wealth, which was a, it was a thing at Sundance. It's out now on uh, on DVD from Amazon Studios and Lionsgate. It's an
1: interesting, it, it seems to me that we go through one of these periods about every two or three generations. You'll yeah. remember. You're yeah, right. yeah, old enough to remember our period with the um, oh, yeah. Wall Street. Uh, everybody was going to make a millionaire. Everybody yeah, I mean, yeah. was getting an MBA. Everybody was going to, you know, it was like a thing, you know, like that. We, you know, we have these moments, yeah. uh, and they can be sort of in- interesting. Um, a dangerous idea. Eugenics, genetics, and the American dream. This is really, look, I, eugenics and these sort of ideas that seem very scientific and, can, and every now and again, every, again, every few generations it comes every, back. Every, it, genera- it comes yeah. back and, they, and it's wrapped in another set of scientific languages, but it's the same thing every time. Every time, every time, and this uh, this documentary exploits it uh, uh, quite in depthly. And what I like about it is it calls it out as being the same thing every time. It doesn't sort of like uh, try to let it slide by as yep. science, cause it's not.
0: Got a couple here from uh, from facets, Really a, a terrific documentaries. Uh, both of them very personal and very very uh, effective. Reunification by Alvin Sang uh, is a super super personal look at. Uh, Alvin, his own, Alvin Sang's own family's uh, immigration legacy and uh, it's it, it, this goes all the way back to uh, you know, Hong Kong, to Los Angeles and his extended, the extended diaspora of his family and what, all the personal issues that uh, transpired as a result it's a, uh, and as a result, because he gets so personal it winds up being very general at the same time it winds being something where you see yourself in it you see your friends in it, you see all kinds of things in it, it's actually a A very, very effective uh, uh, way of taking the personal and making it general and making it public. It's really, really good. And uh, he put a lot of work into this. I mean, it was made in 2016, but it feels like it went on for years to actually plan and execute this. The other one is Shelter Song, Art from the Homeless by Joan Laskoff who uh, goes into, you know, goes into homeless communities in Skid Row and finds that there's some amazing art there and some amazing artists. Mm. And because we judge them, because they haven't sort of met the threshold that we expect from others in the society who are quote-unquote artists, uh, their art is not validated. And uh, nonetheless, we break through that and we find that there's some amazing art going on and that uh, these people oftentimes have more to say than those who, who have so much. So it's it's really a, it's a nice perspective change.
1: Yeah, man. Um, this one here, uh, Our Daily Bread, a documentary about uh, where our food comes from, not just in the United States, but frankly in Europe. This is and one of know.
0: those docs like Food, Inc. That oh, yeah. makes me not want to eat anymore. Well,
1: it, it, and it manages to do it without a whole lot of commentary. It, it's just showing you uh, it, with scale and wide widescreen uh, these gigantic pig farms. Uh, and 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 if for that matter uh, the wheat fields and and it just sort of shows you how this all works these conveyor belts and that conveyor belt thing, man. Yeah. oh man that's that's sort of chilling. Uh, the agrochemicals used, uh, and 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 what they do, and how they work their way through the system, and and end up in your grocery store, it's 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 sort of shocking. I, I mean, it's not since um um uh, who who was King uh, Corn is one. Oh, King, King Corn is yeah, another, another one too. Yeah. One, yeah. you yeah. one, Food
0: Ink was the one that really just did me in.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you know, I don't know. It's the kind of thing that makes you want to just you know uh, dig up a hole in your backyard and start planting seeds and grow grow your own crap.
2: Well, that that and that's part of the advantage of living, by the way. Although. The doc definitely calls out some European practices, yeah, but yeah. generally speaking, in Europe they do it so much better than in America. I mean, in Europe, generally speaking, they they're not into the high fructose corn syrup. There is a list of pesticides and chemicals that are used in American food that are illegal in Europe. Mm, can't yeah. use them, and it's funny because like you go to I've been living in Paris for a while now. It's like I eat more, I eat more sugar. I eat later and yet I'm thinner. Yep. Mm. There you go. <laughs> I come back here. Well, now, some of that is because I'm trying to, I, I come back here, of course, some of it is because I'm trying to eat You come all back my here, favorite. you inhale
0: the air and I've, you've gained 10 pounds. I, well,
2: f- well, what I do is I come back and I eat too much because I'm trying to eat at all my favorite restaurants, the mm. time I have. Mm. But that said, here you just feel the heaviness and the chemicals, yeah. and just the artificiality of the food. Now, of course, if you go to great restaurants in L.A., which there are surprisingly many, mm. you'll get a great meal. Yeah, But the baseline the, meal in yeah. Europe is way, way healthier, way less chemicals than the baseline meal in America. The,
1: the food that ordinary people can still eat. Uh, yes. the, the food that an ordinary guy living in, 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 you know, wherever, you know, Santa Monica can, can afford to eat, or not those fancy restaurants that we're talking about. That's right. Uh, uh, but the food that ordinary can, people can eat in Europe, is still good food. There is no bad food, unless you go, you have to go find the bad food.
2: Yes. True. you want to go you gotta, to the gotta, gotta make an effort. you, look, you can find Oreo cookies in the supermarket in France. Yeah. Oreo cookies there. Say if the people who just, but who just had cake. <laughs> no, who just had cake. Actually, I, I came back for Tim's cake. My flight leaves <laughs> for Paris tonight. I've had Tim's cake. I'm ready to go. we
0: got a couple uh, here from Oscilloscope. The King by uh, Eugene Jarecki. Uh, Eugene Jarecki has won a couple of boards at Sundance, and The King is a really, really interesting doc. He 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 goes and he grabs uh, Elvis Presley's 1963 uh, Rolls Royce. And oh, that one! He goes on yeah. a road trip with yeah. the, with Elvis's uh, rolls and he rolls through America to look into the influence, the residual impact of Elvis Presley on America in every conceivable way. And it's so interesting, and it's. It's both kind of heartwarming and disheartening at the same time, and and
1: and pointed too. Very pointed, you know. Chuck D is in that movie. Elvis was a hero to most. Chuck. That 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 was that was in that song. Yeah, Uh, and uh, and and he talks about how you know to the black community. Uh, um, Elvis was a usurper, generally yeah. speaking. That's why. He, uh, that's
0: what why Elvis became Elvis. They wanted a white guy who could sing like a black guy. Yeah, yeah, and and, that was and, the whole and, point. and, and
1: could move his hips, and, and you yep. know, and, 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 yep. and it worked. You know, yeah, it did indeed. I, I did. I, I disagree with Chuck about that, by the way. uh... But it is interesting that yeah. th- that they allowed that voice to be put in that movie.
0: Oh, it's 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 fascinating, and because it is it is a well-made documentary by a great documentarian it doesn't make your mind up for you it just hands you a lot of really interesting information and uh... you can draw a lot of different conclusions from it mm. uh... wild combination is a really really interesting talk about somebody i had never heard of uh... matt wolf is the documentarian this is on blu-ray from oscilloscope and the subject is arthur russell who uh... died of aids in nineteen ninety-three but until then was an, a significant composer a really uh... a significant kind of genre splitting avant-garde composer and this revisits his legacy interviews the people that worked with him the people that uh, were influenced by him you even have like like Philip Glass is interviewed in here and uh it is uh, it's it's a look not just at the man and the music itself but the way that we treat particular kinds of artists and a particular kind of music and especially the way that music was treated at that time mm-hmm. very interesting doc called wild combination
1: dust to glory uh, is a, is a Dana Brown film Dana Brown of course is, is uh, one of the premier sort of uh, sports uh, not extreme sports but uh, classic sports uh, documentarians uh, 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 step into liquid and all that kind of stuff him his father goes back uh, even before him this one is about dirt biking uh, and sort of uh, you know those four-wheel drive uh, trucks and all that kind of stuff it's a, it's a pretty neat film you got to kind of be into the stuff and and I'm not really sure that the stuff is a sport to be honest with you like surfing uh, or, or some of the other things. I mean, I don't know. I mean, who's actually competing? It seems to me that the trucks, uh, it's more about, about engineering than it is uh, anything else. But whatever. Folks love this kind of stuff, particularly across certain uh, swaths of the country. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the cinematography and the way the way it's sort of produced, of course, is done in that sort of classic Dana Brown way uh lots of excitement and music and um that sort of third person narration voice floating over everything is kind of cool um so check it out bonus features uh bruce brown's last interview bruce of course was dane's dana's uh yeah. father yeah uh, made all those wonderful surfing movies way back in the day all right love it
0: records collecting dust 2 is a okay whose phone whose phone is that tim's is your yeah. Oh, Skype! Phone. It's my mom. Oh, it's your phone. Uh-oh, my mom
1: is skyping me. It's okay. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. Keep going. Keep no, going. I was,
0: I was recording. I was. I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna lay in a mark. I was hoping it was Mark's yeah, it, phone so I could like. It's my like,
1: mom. Chew him out. Okay. Yo, mom. Yo, mom. We're doing a podcast. Call me back. <laughs> yeah, ma. Uh,
0: records collecting dust too is a documentary by uh, Jason Blackmore, which is uh, kind of a, you know, more of what you got in Records Collecting Dust 1, which I, if you didn't see that, you probably should have. I missed uh, Records Collecting Dust 1, but the whole point of this is that it's all about um, uh, the, the, the musicians and music that is kind of following up on what we were talking about with Arthur Russell. Uh, music and musicians that uh, that fell between the cracks over the years. Yeah, And um, so what this is, this is in the 1980s. The first one dealt with the 1970s. This is the 1980s, and it covers everything from, you know, punk to uh, all kinds of other kind of fringy avant-garde music forms. And they just interview all of these people who have, uh, you know, who were a thing, a flash in the pan for a minute and a half, and then went away. And uh, it's, it's all really, really interesting. Uh, you know, how music changed their lives, how their lives were destroyed by music, etc., cetera, et cetera. It's really, uh, it's quite interesting. And I, I hope they do more of these because uh, th- there's a lot of grounded cover on this subject. Mm. And then also uh, a cool little uh, thing called SILA and the Gatekeepers of the Antarctic. This is by um, a filmmaker by the name Karina Gamma, who is a, a, a really interesting uh, filmmaker and will have a lot of other interesting points of view to uh, share with us. Uh, but the idea of Scyla, SILA, S-I-L-A, uh, is this is um, this is a, a kind of a, an ecological concept? It's a, an ecological concept that combines things that are sort of existential and things that are scientific. It's about balance in nature, and uh, this is all about a um, uh, about Inuit hunters who live above the Arctic Circle, and uh, primarily in Greenland, and the way that they. Um, the way that they are dealing with climate change the way that they are dealing with uh things that their ancestors never had to deal with before and um it's it's looking at weather as almost like a like i don't want to say a religious phenomenon mm. but 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 something that certainly has a greater cultural relevance for them than just weather weather is meaningful weather is a representative and even if we, if you don't believe that the gods create weather you believe that weather has some greater existential connection to our being mm. and the way that we respond to it is, is is significant. So anyway, um I hope that doesn't sound too kind of esoteric. But Sila and the gatekeepers of the Arctic, very, very interesting. And some of the only footage I've ever seen of Greenland, to be honest. Oh fantastic. Yeah.
1: Greenland, by the way, isn't No, it's green. not Green. It's, it's not. In no. Iceland isn't that no. icy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: As we learned from uh, as we learned from uh, the player. Yeah. That's all that stuff that uh, Greta Skaki tells uh uh, it says in the player about Greenland and Iceland. Uh, and then last one here is Full Circle, uh, Circle of Dust, uh, a fixed documentary. This is the birth, death, and rebirth of Circle of Dust, which meant nothing to me uh, because I, I just don't know, you know, industrial rock. That w- Anyway, apparently Circle of Dust is this uh, industrial rock thing and um you get all, a look at this band and what they've done and uh this includes you know some of their bootlegs and uh music videos and none of this really worked for me in any way i, I kind of you know barely paid attention to this in the background but um if this is meaningful to you if i say circle of dust and you go no way dude then uh, it'll be obviously something that's important to you. But anyway, uh, the birth, death, and rebirth of Circle of Dust, full circle, a fixed documentary by the uh, collective Fixed, I guess F-I-X-T. All right, let's uh, let's do uh, T-B. Uh, actually, we I got we got one, got one
1: more? really that's interesting right. doc we'll over right, there.
2: Here's the thing: I'm as yeah. the only Jew in
1: the room. So <laughs> uh, th- that I've got isn't true. Documentary <laughs> called, uh, Regina. I'm half Jewish.
2: Now, Who's half Jewish? Me. Really? Yes. Then I'll do half of it. Uh, Okay, okay. that's fair. So this is uh, a documentary called Regina, and it is about uh, Regina Jonas, who was the world's first uh, female rabbi. Now, it's a fascinating documentary because uh, you're telling the story of a woman, a person. There is only one photograph of this woman Mm. existing. And even though there's only one photograph of her, the The documentary maker does an amazing job, not only telling you about Regina's life, but also setting the scene for what Berlin was like yeah. pre-war and during the war, and how Regina Jonas wound up becoming a rabbi and the the, the resistance the resistance that she met, uh, the fact that she wound up going to a concentration camp, where I will not tell you what happened. Mm. Um, so not only do you have a another Concentration camp story, but this particular concentration camp story is of the world's first mm. female rabbi. And what's interesting is that the uh, the narration was by re- actress Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Weiss. Yeah. Weiss. Rachel yeah, Weiss. 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 Sure. Ada And the reason why she does it was because when the when this documentary ran into financial problems, Rachel's father. Who knew the director? Kicked in some cash. Kicked in some cash. Wow, Isn't that crazy. And Rachel. So the father knew Diana Grew, who was the director of the that's film. That's great. He kicks in some cash, gets the film done. Rachel does the voice. Does the voice for it, and it's uh, it's quite remarkable in that sense. So if you want to, if it's funny how there's always another story about the Holocaust. Just when you think you've seen enough of the Holocaust, and I'm Jewish, mm. there's always another story that is just so fascinating.
1: Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. Ordained in 1935. Um, uh, she was. Uh, and, 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 you, and, you know, I mean, this is just a, yeah. is just a big deal all by itself. It's yeah. just, just, just all the hell there is to it. And then the, to manage to to cull together that uh, archival footage of various different sorts of things, but nothing from her. Nothing from her. Fantastic. And to tell her whole story, oh, man, it's, it's, it's just beautiful.
2: It's remarkable. The it's director, Christina.
1: though, she directed a movie. Her name's Diana uh, uh, Gru or something Ooh, like yeah, that, O yeah. like that. She directed a movie called Vespa. Mm. eight, nine, ten years ago or something like that. It was just the cutest little movie you ever saw about this little boy on this Vespa riding around and, and, and everything he did. It's kind of like The Bicycle Thief. Uh, only, I did not see that. Only on the Vespers. neatest thing. Uh, TV? TV. TV. Uh,
0: I'm going to hit a couple of Angelica Houston TV movies first. They are both from Mill Creek. Family Pictures is a, uh, a rather melodramatic but very, very well-intentioned adaptation of a Sue Miller novel about a family uh, that and uh, about a family dealing with an autistic. Uh, in this case, the brother Angelica Houston is the look, look is the sister looking back on the uh, on how her brother, who's autistic, impacted the family. And it's a very honest and touching look at autism. A little bit too sentimental, but it's it, it's solid. And then the other one, which is more interesting, is Buffalo Girls. Mm. It's based on the Larry McMurtry novel. Uh, this is all about uh, Calamity Jane. Angelica Houston plays Calamity Jane. Everybody here is somebody playing somebody. Uh, Jack Palance plays Bartlebone, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sam Elliott plays Wild Bill Hickok, Peter Coy- Coyote, for some reason, plays Buffalo Bill. That makes no sense at all. Russell Means is Sitting Bull. It's, uh, you know, the casting is a little bit over the top, but um, it's still, it's fun. Angelic Houston's Calamity Jane, really, really good casting.
1: Mm, black Sails I have here. I didn't watch a whole lot of Black Sails, but I do find it a fascinating sort of show, because it it's, a, it's basically a prequel to Treasure Island.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit like Pirates of the uh, Caribbean for TV.
1: Yeah, you know. Uh, so, and you have all these sort of historical characters, uh-huh. historical figures, I suppose, which Captain yeah. Vane, the governor, and all that kind of stuff. And then some made-up folks, uh, Captain Flint, who's really the sort of principal character in this. Show. Anyway, uh, this is the complete collection of black sails, um, um, which is just you know a rip-roaring um, uh, yeah, swashbuckler sure is. Is, is what the heck it is. Uh, so you've got seasons one through four. All kinds of special features. If you haven't already seen it, it's, it, this would be a great way just to catch up with this. And I like it because it takes you right through and, and lands you on a spot. And then you're done. Black sails.
0: Uh, Hollywood's Best and Brightest. This is also from Mill Creek. This is a uh, documentary TV series on just a lot of celebrities. This is like uh, any, like Biography or yeah. any of those other shows that just profile people. But there are a lot of good people profiled here. It's pretty generic. But, uh, you know, there, there are four discs and uh, seven to eight people per disc. Yeah, so that's like 50-some major celebrities, everybody from Robert Redford to Julie Andrews to, to Goldie, Goldie Hawn, Stallone and Schwarzenegger, Catherine Deneuve, Candace Bergen, Robert De Niro, Mel Gibson, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, Kathleen Turner, it's Barbara Streisand, Diane Margaret. It goes on and on and on. It's great. Lots of stuff here. Uh, just a kind of nice thing to throw on now and again if you just want to up your celebrity IQ.
1: Mm, Barry, uh, Bill Hader's series, right? Season. Yeah. Uh, 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 now, here's, this is the interesting thing about this show. If somebody would to come to me, if I was some sort of powerful executive like Mark, mm-hmm. and, and you come to me and you pitch this show, it's a show about a, this, this uh, low level hitman from the Midwest. He moves to, he moves to L.A. to you know, take out a Mark, and sort of stumbles into the theater arts mm-hmm. scene and realizes that he uh, has the acting bug. Yep. And he's still killing people, but he's also you know <laughs> studying acting. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, I'm sorry, I'd be like, yeah, no. <laughs> but you know, Bill Hader pitches it, Stephen Root is in it, what you know, and you know what, it's funny. Yeah. Totally implausible. Makes no sense. But it, this is this. But this is the kind of thing I mean. You look around and you, you, we know people, you know, they're, sure. they're out, they got these TV shows, they're pitching, and people say, oh, that's not, you know, it's not. There's no such thing as a bad idea for a television show. I can mm. promise you this is a bad idea for a television show, but you can make a good television show out of this bad idea for a television sure. show. If you got Bill Hader and Steven Root and some clever writers, you take the bad idea and you weave a pretty decent television program out of it, and they did. Uh, this is probably one of the top two or three new comedies uh that popped up this last season and i would have vaccinated i wouldn't have made it so you know that's why i'm not a television executive and mark (laughs) is uh
0: you know what this is pretty great so the first release from vci and mvd of television's lost classics was some live television directed by sydney lumet yeah now we have volume two with four rare pilots these are series i never even heard of i had no idea these even existed before these pilots uh, two of them are shows that i never even heard of. The other two are shows I've heard of, but I didn't even know that these pilots had, had been created. So uh, we have The Case of the Sure Thing. Never heard of that, mm. uh, uh, which is okay. It's, it's fine. It's not brilliant, but it's rare, and I guess that makes it unique. Uh, then we also have Cool and Lamb, which is okay. Never heard of that either. Then we get interesting. Here we go. The Life of Riley. Do you know that? We've all heard of Life of Riley, oh, yeah, but, but I don't know there was a TV I don't, show yeah, a pilot I know that. with Lon Chaney Jr. Lon Chaney Jr. Was in that. And then the best one, the best one of all, is Narrow Wolf. There was, back in the 50s, a Nero Wolf TV series planned and a pilot that featured no less than, Mark, are you ready for it? 17. The Shat. Oh, look at him.
1: William look at him. Shatner. Look
0: at that. The Shat. There he is.
1: He, he, he couldn't have been playing Nero no, though he wasn't playing okay, Nero. good because yeah, no, no, he was no, a big no. one, yeah
0: No, kurt Kasner was uh, was Nero, but but he's in it,
1: yeah. And And looking young and looking good—that's his hair. (laughs) That's his real hair. That's his actual hair. That's what it looked like. (laughs)
0: That's what it looked like. That's what it looked like when it was real. Oh my goodness! Oh,
1: outstanding, outstanding. Uh, The Affair season four, uh, which is on Showtime. You know, I never got into this version of The Affair. There was one—the Australian. You know, that was kind of my version. But nevertheless, people like this. Uh, and kind of into it. If there is something I like about it, it's the cast. Love, Dominic West, big fan of Mere Tyranny and Joshua Jackson. Anyway, a few special features on this, uh, character profiles and some whatnot. I, I suppose you just got to kind of be into the series to check it out.
0: Uh, a little bit of a, kind of a British-y TV. The uh, 800 Word Season 3 Part 1 deals with an Australian family that has moved to New Zealand. And apparently that's a thing. If you've watched Eight Hundred Words, which can be very funny mm. and very touching at the same time, it's a good show. But I, I have to believe that for, for you know once you're in that once you're in Oceania, uh. that the whole idea of people who move from New Zealand to Australia and back again, you know the Sam Neils and the, the Russell Crows, mm. that that's a thing. And uh, and you know, it's a little weird. And I, I guess a lot of the inside jokes are things that I'm going to miss. Mm. But nonetheless, it's a very very fun show. It's beautifully shot. Gosh darn it's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous place to shoot. Uh, everything about uh, New Zealand is completely unspeakably beautiful. Uh, so, uh, there it is. Uh, this is the uh, this is part one of season three, 800 words. Wonderful cast. I really keep hoping that some of these people will show up in, in movies here at some point because they're just fantastic actors. Mm. And uh, then there is also uh, Tunnel Vengeance, the third season, um, with Clemence Poesie and Stephen Delane. This is on PBS and it is a... Uh, a really, really, really cool British show. Um, it's you know, it, it's uh, it, it's just a really rough-edged and tough thriller, and uh, dealing with a you know an Englishman and, and uh, a French woman, and they have to you know team up and uh, and deal with all of the uh, the the channel-oriented you know channel-crossing crime issues that uh, that keep arising. Uh, it's it's really great. It's really, really great. So, um, just solid writing and, uh, and really, really interesting, uh, interesting directions. Mm. So that is uh, Tunnel Vengeance, the complete third season. It's good stuff.
1: The uh, uh, folks, folks uh, who love I Love Lucy will enjoy I Married Joan, uh, which preceded I Love Lucy. They overlapped a bit, but this actually preceded I, I Love Lucy, um, uh, starting in 1952. It is, they are effectively the same show. Um, You have uh, Joan Davis, who is the star of the show. She was a very well-known comedian and uh, sort of radio commentary and radio comedian uh, back at the time. Most folks don't remember her now because when I Love Lucy came along, it sort of of obliterated all of this. But, of course, uh, uh, folks will remember Jim Bacchus from Gilligan's Island, of course, voice of Mr. Magoo. That's the guy who married Joan. Interestingly, this show ran for three seasons. Joan Davis produced this show under her own company's banner. That's so impressive. 1952 to 1955. This radio comedian, not a lot of television exposure yet because there wasn't a lot of television, produced this show under her own banner. Also, interestingly, her own daughter played her sister... On the show, oh, okay, that's weird. Which was kind of weird, but you know, <laughs> she, kinda had, kinda she, yeah, she had she had she had a baby fairly young. Jim Back is playing her husband. It was it was you know very dependent on physical comedy. I'm telling you, it's, it's straight up. I love Lucy. Just you know, I mean, you remember it? Don't my mom always liked this more than I love Lucy? Because she goes back to that generation. But most folks, uh, you know, sort of forget it. But if you loved I Love Lucy, you're gonna love I Married Joan. You just will. Uh, Ten complete episodes from season one.
0: All right, and we're gonna wrap the show out with some uh, classic movie stuff. Um, y- you know what, Mark? I'm gonna, happen- gonna let you. I'm gonna. I am gonna do how, you.
2: How, how, how do I know I've seen these?
0: Movies? Yeah, because you've seen them. Because these are all the. Uh, this is this is all from the uh, Shout uh, Select line. Shout Select has released these new movies, and you can tell us how much you love them because I know you've seen all of them because they're all awesome. And that's gonna leave me for a minute to talk about Kino. Uh, Kino Lorber has released a few more studio classics. DOA, not the original, the Dennis Quaid-Meg Ryan remake. Oh,
1: 1980. Yeah. When they were both still cute. 88. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when they were still cute. Uh, this, is, this is not great, but the idea still holds enough water. And Charlotte Rampling's in this, which is worth something. And uh, the, they basically have uh, two different audio commentaries, one each by each of the co-directors. Why isn't there one audio commentary with both co-directors? You'll have to listen to the audio commentaries. No. Uh, Annabelle mm-hmm. Jankel and Rocky Morton do the, uh, the separate commentaries. And then we also have uh, Kazam, starring Shaq. Yeah. You know what? I, I, look, I, you're, that, that, just the way that you said yeah. that was <laughs> like, yeah, I can do without that. I am going to defend the big guy. Because you know what yes, he was not as good of an actor now then as he is now. Yeah. now Shaq is just straight up awesome well, 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 yeah
1: now he now now he never plays Shaq. you know <laughs> he just he plays characters now you know grandpa, uncle what's his name and that, that basketball know, yeah, game? yeah.
0: Uh, look, I think Shaq playing a genie was brilliant casting. It's campy, it's corny, it's goofy. Uh, yes, he's mugging like crazy, but it's hysterical. Come on, he's a genie. It's good. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and Will Smith's playing a genie now in Aladdin. Yeah. Now I'm sorry. Did you they see sh- that trailer? No. Yeah, it's not great, it looks is <laughs> it? It's horrible.
2: Looks like so dark and scary. It's like yeah, and they're flying on a carpet.
0: I know it does. Uh, I'm worried, but uh, nonetheless, Kazam doesn't have me worried because I thoroughly enjoy this. No extras, but it's Shaq, and he's playing a genie. And then there is uh, It's Pat, which uh, was a, was cute for a bit uh, as a movie. Man, it really overstays its welcome. Yeah. it's only seventy seven minutes long, and man, they stretch those seventy seven minutes. Well, that, that was
2: during the whole Lorne Michael let's yeah. turn oh. every SNL character into a movie thing. And the, oh. the only the three that how about It's Pat?
1: The only three that didn't work is Ladies Man, It's Pat, and I don't think Stuart Little worked so much you know either. What? Remember yeah, Stuart Little? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, was, uh, did I get it right? Uh, yeah, Stuart Little. yeah. Let me just say.
0: Ladies' Man, and I love those sketches. Even though that movie does not work, everything... Uh,
1: Tim, the Ladies' Man works, the but the movie man. don't work. Well,
0: here's the thing. Tim Meadows is working his ass off in that movie to try to make you be interested in every single second that he's doing And he is working hard. When that script is just laying on its face, and he oh, he owns that script because yeah. he wrote it. Yeah. But he's, he's working every single second. The other thing is, Will Ferrell who plays just a small part in that thing as that latent guy wrestler man's you know support group guy yeah yeah will Farrell is a scream yeah in the ladies man particularly particularly
1: scream. when you first see because that's early you know I mean he plays that guy all the time yeah, now yeah uh, but back then that oh. was that was just so funny
0: anyway it's Pat still still funny in bits it's about 20 21 and a half and maybe four seconds worth of really funny stuff in here, and the rest of it is just you're treading water. But still, it's a movie that has played uh, a lot of midnight screenings around, and it has a certain following. So uh, Julia Sweeney and Dave Foley, and it's Pat, the movie.
1: Uh, Julia Sweeney, uh, funnier than given credit for as a member yeah. of the deep, you know, deep. For, deep sure. for sure. Much funnier than she's yeah. given credit for. All right. Uh, uh, Mark, you, get, Mark, uh, yeah, you, you
0: want, want to talk
2: about those? Uh, what? What, what's happening now? Yeah, I can, I can wait, jump on. I'm, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm off my game, guys. Okay, off my Tim, game. <laughs> hang on. I'm with you. Here you go. Okay. Uh, from Shout Select, a collector's edition version of Get Shorty, the great Get Shorty, which are Gene Hackman, Rene Russo, and Danny DeVito. Uh, I love this movie. Everybody loves this movie, mostly because Scott Frank, the screenwriter, was smart enough to keep as much of the peppery, classic, clipped, funny, Elmore Leonard dialogue as possible, and Barry Sonnenfeld, early in his career, he was such a visual stylist. He had a lot of fun with it. And uh, it's a great film. And it's, a lo- it's uh, loaded up with um, extras, just like the shot Factory, Shout Select stuff usually is. Audio commentary with uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. There's a couple of um, featurettes. But really, it's, it's just a film. I love Hackman in this. John Travolta, never better. And that doesn't say much at this point, because don't forget, he, he, he played John Gotti recently. <laughs> yeah, was, we talked just, about that. Uh. Um, next, from Shout Select, unfortunately, we have Dragnet with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. Now, this is not the t- Tom Hanks who would become America's uh, everyman and the new Jimmy Stewart. This is kind of before he yeah. earned that status. And the only thing I remember about this movie, which is on Blu-ray for the first time, is the song. I remember it was called City of Crime, as I remember it. And it was like Dan Aykroyd was rapping. I remember watching the music video. <laughs> Otherwise, the movie is just not good. So I would pass on... Uh, Dragnet. Dragnet, yeah. but I would... This is the last Shout Select uh, title of the week. I would do City Slickers. This City Slickers...
0: So, so holds up, doesn't it? You know why? I it's love do, this movie.
2: You know why? Because it was in that Lowell Gans, Babalu Gandel wheelhouse right? this is an they're, Oscar they're, they're winning they're movie solid years.
0: this is an Oscar winning movie this
2: movie this movie made yeah. push-ups popular again that's right
0: <laughs> never forget that Jack Palance we need a moment like that on the Oscars again
2: you know what okay, here's the thing first of all City Slickers is great um, the Oscars I'm sorry that it's over
0: It's you know you know what all the awards shows they've all been hitting record lows. The Grammys, the American Music Awards, the People's Choice, all of them have been. The People's Choice Awards is getting record low ratings. Mm. I will tell you this.
2: I will tell you this. People's
0: People's Choice Awards couldn't even win a People's Choice Award this year.
2: (laughs) This year, there's a very good chance that A Star Is Born and Black Panther will both be nominated for Best Picture. Mm. And if you cannot get people to watch the Oscars on a year when two huge popular millennial hits get nominated for Best Picture.
0: I'm going to go and out... And it's officially over. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Black Panther is going to get a lot of nominations, but it's not going to get nominated for Best Picture.
1: I think it is. You think so? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. You, you're right about all those sort of techie nominations. What it's not going to get are a number, and perhaps any nominations, in the, in the top... Acting categories, uh, I believe Michael. Uh, 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 you know the the yeah, the, 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 you know, uh, yeah Michael, Michael B. B. Yeah. I believe Michael B. deserves the best supporting actor nomination.
0: Yeah, he probably will get
1: one. Uh, and and, and I, I think he should. I don't here's, think he will, but I think he should.
0: Here's here's the cynical part of me. Before we finish off some of these, here's the cynical part of me that's that's stepping up here. So I think there is still a mindset in the Academy that and it's not i don't think it's a conscious thing i think that people very often will look at movies that have all black casts or even predominantly black themes and think um this is a placeholder i need to i need to set that slot aside and i think when when moonlight was nominated a lot of people breathed a sigh of relief and said there's that slot that i was saving for a moment for uh, birth of a nation and then all that you know all the all the college stuff broke and the and the and the rape accusation and all that stuff and Thank goodness! Now I don't have to nominate that. I can give that film's place to Moonlight. Mm. I think a lot of people are going to see Beale Street mm. or Green Book, and they're going to think, "Oh, now, 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 I don't have to put Black Panther in there. Now I've got those two films that can take." That in, in
1: in the, And here in lies the problem and, with the Academy here in life because you yes. know what you know? Why are there? Why are there? You know what I mean? No, but that's why, what I'm saying. I, I think, do I, think
0: I don't think people are consciously thinking that way. But I think when they look at when they when they go down, they start checking their boxes. I think there's a little a little mm. thing in the back of their heads because they're not going to do, that, do that,
1: that with Bohemian Rhapsody and The Star Is Born. I know no, one is a not. biopic of a of, of, a, of one is not, but they're yeah. effectively kind of the same. True. But but they will not think of those as, as one canceling out the other. No. So it's, it's just not fair. I'm sorry, Mark. But
2: would Black Panther get nominated because it's a it's a film with predominantly Black. Or because it's so damn popular.
0: I, I think partly it's so damn popular, but also because there is a fundamental thing with a lot of Academy voters where if they are told for too long and too far ahead of time that this is a film you should nominate, they become in, intuitively counter-rebellious, mm. uh, mm. right? And they and they say, well, screw you. I'm Then I'm not going to nominate it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not convinced Black Panther's going to get that because I think there was a little bit too much made of it too early on. Mm. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. We'll see. All yeah. I
2: know is that Star is Born is, will get nominated for for nine Oscars. And I'm telling you, and we talked about this before, if you look at some of the recent Oscar winners, you know, Shape of Water or The Artist or Argo, they all either honor old Hollywood or, or, or make Hollywood the hero. Yeah. And A Star is Born, it, it draws a line from Judy Garland right to it does. Uh, Shape of Water was destined to win the moment you had that shot of Shirley Temple climbing the stairs <laughs> with them, <Mr>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then all the 80, And then all the 80-year-old members of the Academy could like, say, I can die now, I won't be forgotten. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 And true. So so Star is Born, I mean, it really could go all the way.
0: Uh, so real quickly here, uh, we just got. Wait, a couple... You said
2: twenty minutes ago. The show is almost done. Yeah,
0: before. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll do. We'll do just a, a couple more uh, here, real, real quickly, and then we'll leave some of this off for the next couple of weeks. We got a Three Stooges, a Best of the Three Stooges, Volume One release from Time Life. This is really just uh, three volumes of stuff that's just been thrown together. Uh, you know, movies. Uh, TV appearances, uh, you know, uh, just uh, it's everything that they could possibly scratch up archivally that does not belong to Sony Pictures, which has all of the uh, all of the shorts. Uh, so they've got a lot of the early shorts, you know, 30s and 40s, and uh, they've got, you know, Have Rocket Will Travel, The yeah. Outlaws know, Is Coming, uh, the uh, the 2000 biopic, um, you know, all this stuff, uh, Bon Bon Parade from 1935. It's just a lot of stuff thrown on here in three different volumes. For Three Stooges fans, it's great. Absolutely a lot of fun, but it's, uh, it's kind of a hodgepodge at the same time. And then also from 1920, this is from Kino Lorber, the absolutely wonderful uh, You Never Know Women, which is a William Wellman film before he you know, became the guy that directed uh, the, uh, 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 All Quiet on the Western Front. And uh, you have an audio commentary from his son, William Wellman Jr., and uh, the uh, there's a there's an essay in here. There's uh, a terrific score by Donald Sosin, uh, and this is just a fantastic silent era love triangle. Uh, it stars Florence Vidor, who is just wonderful and long forgotten uh, this was uh, created uh, a, a production of, uh, of Adolf Zucker and Jesse Lasky before they went on to fold their, their operations in to what would become Paramount Studios this was just Paramount Pictures at the time not a Paramount Studio they had the name Paramount eventually they joined up with uh, you know uh, like Jesse Lasky was just folding in famous players it's a long, that, that's, that, that's a really interesting history it's all kind of happening at about this time and, uh, you know, William Wellman went on to be one of the great directors of the sound era as well. But uh, this is absolutely terrific. So uh, really, really first rate. And uh, uh, did, did I say uh, all quiet on the Western Front? Wellman directed Wings. Wings, said. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, I got yeah. that wrong. Wings was the, the, the very first uh, Academy Award winner. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you never know women. And Tim, you got one more? Well,
1: Art School confident, uh, Confidential, it, this is interesting that it's a very good movie uh, uh, from 2006, but Terry Zygos, Zaw- this is his career, right? I mean, so dude, weird, right? so so strange. Crumb the the documentary, that's 1994, yeah. Crumb, yeah. right? Ghost World is 2001, wonderful little movie, you know, with, it uh, with all, all of movies. that. And then, you know, some 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 this, that, and well, Bad Santa, you yeah. know, yeah, 2003. And then he makes this movie in 2006 and hasn't made anything since. I know, it's weird. And, uh, but, you know, when he hits it, he hits it. This was a wonderful little comedy about uh, kid goes to, to, to art school in New York and all the competitions and sort of internecine fighting and, and stuff that goes on there uh, with a young Max Minghella uh, and Angelica Houston and John Malkovich and Jim Broadbent sort of roaming around the movie. Good little movie, but Terry, mm, dude, what's up uh, with that? You know, but oh, you, well. you know, just you know, do what you got to do when you got to do it. Anyway, yeah. neat movie, uh, a little bit on it in terms of special features, making of art school confidential, some deleted scenes, which are really, really cool because you know it's been a while, a blooper reel. Uh, and you know that kind of stuff. Art school confidential.
0: All right, that's it. And next week, Halloween show. And you know what we're going to have on the Halloween show? Mark. Yep. That's scary. <laughs> Can I come
2: back Let yes. be back.
1: Right, yes. right now you look like Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine. I'm not kidding. Oh, he was bad. With, with the hair and the beard uh, and all that kind. of he, I'm serious. He, he looks like Hugh Jackman's Wolverine.
0: Yes. Fantastic. The Wolverine will be with us next week. <laughs>